You're listening to the Redeemed Sexuality Podcast, where sexuality meets discipleship. I'm your host, Drew Boa. What is sexuality for? There are only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it, or you can inspire it. So says Simon Sinek in a marvelous book called Start With Why. Sinek argues that if you want people to feel inspired rather than manipulated by your message, you can't start by telling them what to do. You have to start with why. What's the bigger picture, the overarching purpose? What's the point, and why should I care? People don't commit to the what of what you have to say until they've been won over by the why. This explains the ineffectiveness of typical sex education. Usually, parents and pastors sketch out the what of God's design for sex, what the Bible says about what to do and what not to do. But kids are asking deeper questions. Why? Why does God say these things? If I'm not married, why not have sex? And why does marriage have to be between two sexually different persons? These questions are foundational. If we can't communicate the deeper reasons behind God's design, nothing else we say will matter. Do you see the problem? We've been starting with what rather than why. So today, we're going to start with why. Why did God make sex and sexuality in the first place? What's the point? What is sexuality for? I believe human sexuality is intended to portray God's covenant love in human bodies. Now, what on earth does that mean? Good question. If you want to understand God's covenant love, you have to look at the Bible to get the backstory. You see, God doesn't fall in and out of love. Instead, again and again throughout the Bible, he makes covenants. A covenant is an ancient ceremony of commitment. It's a promise to keep my word no matter what or else. A covenant is a choice. God doesn't have to love us. He chooses to. And his choice is not based on his feelings. It's based on his faithfulness, even when it costs him dearly. Covenants are costly. When you make a covenant, you're essentially saying, I would rather die than break this promise, which is exactly what God did. He chose to die for us rather than break his promises. His love is free, but it's not cheap. It cost him his life. Is eternal. There's no getting out of it. It's permanent. A covenant lasts forever. It's a costly, eternal commitment. So when I talk about God's covenant love, I mean his commitment to us forever, no matter what happens, no matter the cost. Sex and sexuality are ultimately about that. Once you understand this, God's design makes perfect sense. It's the secret to marriage, choosing to stay faithful, even when it costs you dearly, sometimes for 50, 60, 70 years. It's also the secret to singleness, choosing to stay faithful, even when it costs you dearly, sometimes for 50, 60, 70 years, because it's a portrait of covenant love. That's why sex is so sacred. That's why divorce is so destructive. And that's why our bodies matter, because they are the canvases for this portrait and we want to keep the image intact. Now, the way we express God's love looks different in different seasons of life. I love the way Ben Stewart casts a vision for this in his book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. According to Stewart, singleness is all about devotion. Dating is about evaluation. Engagement is about unification, and marriage is about mission. But they're all revolving around the theme of covenant. Singleness is about learning to devote yourself to the Lord's covenant love completely 
regardless of whether or not you're in a romantic relationship, because your greatest source of life and love is Christ. His covenant love is sufficient for you, and your singleness demonstrates that. Singleness is actually a gift. It allows people to show God's covenant love to others outside their family systems with a lot more flexibility. Single people have more free time, the capacity for more close friends, and they can move, make decisions, and shift responsibilities much more easily than those who are married, and especially more than those who already have kids. Dating, on the other hand, is all about evaluation, not evaluating people like their products in a consumeristic way, but evaluating a companion. You're not just looking for beauty and chemistry in a romantic partner. You're looking for Christ-like character. You're looking for someone who can keep a covenant. So dating's a time of evaluation to ask yourself, could I build a lifelong covenant with this person? Will this relationship help me to paint a better portrait of God's love? If so, then it continues into engagement, which is all about unification. It's about taking two lives and making them one. Or, as Stuart writes, engagement's not just preparation for a wedding, but for marriage. That's why I believe it's important for couples to get counseling before they actually get engaged. If they're in the stage of evaluation, that's the time to bring out the challenges, the conflicts, and the potential reasons why this unification shouldn't take place. So don't wait until engagement to find out whether or not you want to commit to this person. Engagement is a time of unification. But the complete unification of our bodies needs to wait until the covenant has been made, until the wedding. Biblically speaking, sex belongs in this context. A husband and wife celebrating the covenant they've made and recommitting to it. The celebration is obvious, but the recommitment is often overlooked because we tend to forget that marriage is a mission. It's about putting God's love into practice as a unit in ways that would be otherwise impossible as individuals. So yes, marriage is a picture of the covenant between Christ and his church. But I hope you'll see that singleness, dating, and engagement also contribute to that picture in their own ways. Each of these pieces is part of a bigger picture, the ultimate why of sex and sexuality. And if you want me to summarize it one more time, what is sex for? Covenant love. That's the why we need to start with. When teaching kids about sex, when teaching teenagers about boundaries, when teaching everyone what God's word has to say about sex and sexuality. And we can use that key to evaluate any sexual issue and any behavior that we're not sure about. How does it line up with covenant love? How does it line up with God's purposes for singleness, dating, engagement, and marriage? Whether we're single, dating, engaged, or married, our sexuality is a portrait meant to display the reality of God's covenant love. That's what sex is for. And teaching the next generation, that's where we need to start. Because when we start with the to-do list, people feel manipulated. But when we start with the reason behind God's design before the details, people feel inspired. They catch a glimpse of what they were made for. They become artists, painting a portrait of covenant love, using their sexuality to show the world who God is. What does it look like for you to pursue God's purposes for your sexuality? 